0: It's so good to be here tonight again and um, be able to share from God's word with you. Um, It's been a, you know, I have a driver now that drives me everywhere. I can't, I can't drive and yeah, she does a good job. She does a real good job and I'm stuck at home unless she takes me somewhere. And you know what that makes me? It just makes me look more and more forward to seeing all you folks here on Sunday morning. Just can't wait to fellowship with you, and and not that that taskmaster. I mean, my driver uh, is, but she's been she's been. You know, I thank you for all the cards and the prayers, um, and through all of this, we were just talking about this today. Um, you know, we together find so much laughter together. Just we laugh over the silliest things. Like I'm sitting on the side of a table doing my exercises, pulling my leg back in pain. And Helen says, how long is that supposed to be? (laughs) You can quit now. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So, but we laugh about those things and just there's joy in all of things if we just look for that. The Lord gives us many blessings. Um, We're going to look tonight at uh, 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 4. We're going to cover just the first five verses. It's kind of a continuation of what Paul has been talking about from really at the get-go in this uh, book, um, about an appeal for unity. He started there. Um, this has all been born out of some commentators say that, uh, Paul had been maligned. And there was some, you know, talk about him and who would follow Paul. I mean, he doesn't speak well, or we're following Apollos. We're following Cephas. Oh, we only follow Christ. So there was division and he wanted to address that division. Um, and just remind them of some truths, um, I'm glad that Pastor Bill talked about the Holy Spirit tonight because he reminded them of that, that, that Holy Spirit indwells them. They, that, do you not know, he said last week, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight of what Paul brings up. And I think here in these first few verses of chapter 4 is something really meaningful. It's been meaningful to me this week, and I think it's just a real good reminder um, for all of us about that unity of the body of the, and in the spirit, that unity together in Christ, um, that we are all saved by faith in Christ, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so many times we kind of get off track and follow other paths or go a different direction and we kind of lose sight of that That one way, maybe, sometimes. Um, And I wanted to begin tonight as we think about those things in John chapter 21. I think this is just a good reminder, just so we don't think we're alone and, and going the wrong direction. John chapter 21. We'll begin with verse 18. Just read a little bit here. John chapter 21. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Um, He died, was buried, and rose again, and he appeared to many. Jesus appears to them on the Sea of Galilee, um, talks to them. In verse 18, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow older, you will stretch out your hand, and someone else will, will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had also leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. I think that's a good reminder to us, each of us individually, that, you know, we're not following any leader or any pastor or any great man. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he died for us. He saved us from our sins. He gave us life eternal And the hope of eternity with him in his presence. And the hope of sin's presence in our lives being gone. We just sang about it. Heartaches and tears and anger and and all of those things. No more. But today we have the choice to make, each of us individually, who do you follow? And not only who do you follow, but I would say too, who do you follow zealously? Because we're to follow Christ with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And he turned to Peter that day and he said, what is that to you? You follow me. I think that could be said to each of us. What, what is that? My brother or sister, we want to encourage one another. We want to pray with one another. We want to be built up together in unity in the body of Christ. But ultimately, who do you follow? And how do you follow Said, follow me. You know, there were some problems in the Corinthian church where they said, Well, I'm following Peter and I'm following the Paulus and I'm following Paul and Oh, I just I don't pay attention to any of those guys. I'm I'm just following Jesus. Well, maybe that was a good path. We're not sure what all was in their mindset there. But he wanted to bring them together and he wanted them to understand that they are in in this in the family of God. And the spirit indwells them. And we're going to talk about that a little more. And I think there's some really good thoughts there in that, that section. So we're going to have Three points that I want to make tonight from this. And our title of our sermon tonight is True Servants. True Servants. And we are called to serve. True Servants. And we are called to serve. Called to follow him, but to serve one another. And I wanted to, I wanted to just this proposition that I thought about and thought about this week. I had trouble writing this down. But it's here's what I came up with that I wanted to think about this week as we looked at these the, the position, the practice, and the praise. That's what we're going to look at. The position called by God, the practice accountable to God, and the praise from God who alone judges correctly. And the proposition I wanted to look at tonight is it's God alone who calls, it's God alone who commissions us or gifts us. And he's going to talk about that later in 1 Corinthians, who gifts us to serve him in the way that we should. It's God alone who calls, God alone who commissions, and it's God alone who judges both our labor and our motives. That's an important point we'll talk about. It's God alone judges our, our labor and our motives. And I just, I know you know this, but I think we all need to be reminded of this. You and I, each one of us, are accountable to Him and to Him alone. I, I can't speak for you or you can't speak for me, but I certainly need to follow Christ with all my heart and all my soul because I am accountable to Him and to Him alone because He's the perfect judge. He's the only judge. And we'll talk about why that is um, tonight in our, in our passage here. So we're going to read the first five uh, verses here of 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says, let a man regard us in this manner. Again, he's just talked about, he's just talked about uh, the Lord knows the reasons of the wise. They are useless. So let no one boast in men for all things belong to you. He's talked about what belongs to them with the world and life. And we talked about that last week and death and things present and things to come we don't fear the future because we know the future we know the promises of god we live in the present but we know god is with us in the present death has no fear for us because death is only that that doorway to heaven and that doorway to god's presence so these things of the world we all things have been given to us as believers and you belong to christ and Christ belongs to you. And I hate to pause this long, but we could even go back and say the spirit that's been given to us is the spirit of promise. The spirit of uh, sealing us. The promise of our inheritance. And that spirit of God knows the mind of God. And we have been given the spirit, the mind of Christ. And we can understand this book because we have the perfect teacher. We can read these things and know the truth. We have to choose to follow it and choose to act upon it, but we can read these things and know it to be truth from God by the spirit that lives within us. Testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. He says, you have the mind of Christ. You, have, you are Christ. You are belonging to him and Christ belongs to God. And so there's this fellowship. We talked about that last week. And Paul says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. He says uh, later in Second uh, Corinthians, he talks about that. We are new in him. So he says, let, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And we talked about that too, these mysteries of God. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard the wonders and, the, and the, the mystery that God has. That who would believe that the king would come from heaven and die for you and me? And that is the way to heaven. We want to fix the outside. We want to to flower up the, the package. And God says, no, we're going to go inside the package and change it first. And give it a new heart. And we have been given privy to this mystery. And the mystery of the Bible is something that we have to discover. It's something that God has not yet revealed. And God has revealed the wonders of the gospel. And it's all found in one place. And that's Jesus Christ crucified buried and risen and there's hope and there's the mystery of salvation how does god do that i don't know but it's a mystery and it's the truth because god has caused me to believe it and brought me to himself the mystery of the gospel who would have thought that up that this is the way to heaven what a wondrous way what a wonderful god we have that would do that for you and i and then inform us of what he's done and how to go to heaven through him what a wonderful way to, for God to, to reveal to us and then for us to be used of him to bring others. Stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stu- stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait, wait until the Lord comes, who will bring, who will, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And eat, then each man's praise will come to him from God. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, the reading of your word publicly tonight and for just the time we can spend together looking at it. Uh, Help us as we study tonight and help us as we um, just think of these things and uh, teach us. Teach us again and and grow us in our faith and grow us in our understanding. Um, Lord, I would pray tonight that we we would grow in our understanding of your greatness and your goodness and your power and just who you are. And grow us in our understanding of, yes, our accountability to you, but, Lord, it's, we fall into good hands when we trust you. We fall into a great place when we put our faith in you. And so, Lord, let us be ever mindful of who you are and, and uh, what you mean to us and live accordingly. Uh, just help us with all of these things tonight, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, first of all, position, called by God. You know, we could go all the way back to uh, verse 1 of this book, and it says, Paul, called as an apostle. Doesn't that sound grand? Called as an apostle, grand title. Uh, There weren't very many of them, and there aren't any today. But he was called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sotheus, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. And here in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Let a man regard us in this manner. Now, wouldn't you expect him to say, as apostles, as great apostles of the God of heaven. You know what he says? Here's my position. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ. You know that word servants? It's not the usual word that you would find like a bond slave or something. You know what this word means? This word means, let, he says, let a man regard us in this manner as under rowers. You know what an under rower was? It was the lowest galley slave. Usually in these big ships, they would have oars out. The, you've seen them. Oars out the side of the ship. And they, the guys are in there and they're, uh, one, uh, two, uh, three. They have three rows of those. He's in the bottom rung. He's in the belly of the ship. The bottom row, two rows above him. He's the lowest of low slaves. That's what he means. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I serve him as an under rower. And so we sometimes think we have this position or this standard, not by man's standards or popularity or degrees behind their names or charismatic. He says a man that serves the Lord should consider himself this way as a servant of Christ and stewards or uh, house managers of the mysteries of God. And I just want to tell you, he said he was an apostle, but each of us Each of us that are called by God are gifted in different ways. Not all are apostles. He'll talk about that later. Not all are preachers. Not all are evangelists. Not all are teachers. But each of us has been gifted to serve in a certain way. To what? Follow Christ and serve the Lord in the gifts we have. That may be as a prayer warrior. That may be as... uh, Hospitality, giving of your home for others or serving meals, whatever it might be. A servant of Christ, following Christ in how God has given to you. The position that you have been given. There are many positions, but there are different roles within the church. There was disunity here. They said, I follow this guy. He's a good speaker. I follow that guy. I really like the way he's charismatic. No, not by the man's standard of popularity or degrees behind their names. As servants of Christ. Serving him and following him first, under row, or seeing ourselves in the light of God's view. Humble ourselves, I think the Bible tells us, and Peter says later, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will what? Exalt you at the proper time. Trusting him, following hard after him. Humble yourself under him. A servant of the Lord first serves the Lord and then meets and serves others' needs as he's called to serve where they where that need is needed most. And so servants of God. He said, let a man consider us in this manner, and consider ourselves in this manner, as underrowers, servants of Christ, following after him, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards or managers of the mysteries of God. He wanted to be found faithful. We'll talk about that in a minute. But this word steward meant one that manages a house, that oversees that house. You know, we've been we've been given salvation. We've been given understanding of the gospel message. And I think we need, we need to be good stewards of that to present it clearly. um, Years ago, when I took a a short-term mission trip to Vienna, Austria, I learned so much there in that two weeks. And it still affects me today. still affects me today because the Lord taught me so many things. You know, I, I, I thought I knew this and that, and I found out very quickly that I knew very little about how to share my faith on the streets of Vienna. The Lord taught me through gifted men and through other servants of the Lord. He taught me how to share my faith and how I needed to understand that and how I needed to study the Bible and to look at what God's mysteries are and be a good steward of that gospel message to present it clearly, to present it faithfully to present it dependently upon the Lord working through me, it's God's power. It's not my power. It's God's power. It's not your power. It wasn't Paul's power. It wasn't his message. It wasn't his power. But he was a good steward of the gospel. In fact, he said earlier, I I wanted to know nothing amongst you except for Christ crucified. And the gospel message presented, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And so he wanted to practice that, a servant of the Lord, uh, a good steward of the mysteries of the gospel of God. I hope we are good stewards of the gospel. I I hope we present it clearly. I hope we present it passionately. I hope we present it dependently upon God's power to work through us and to see fruit and see people saved and see people come to know the Lord as we just faithfully are good stewards of the gospel message. Paul said, I'm an under rower for Christ. And I want to be a good steward of the mysteries of God. It doesn't matter who I follow because I only follow one. I follow Christ. And we should all do that. And I think he wants to bring the church together for that. So here again, he says in verse two, in this case, moreover, it is required of a steward that one be found trustworthy. Here's the position we've looked at. Now the practice, the accountability to God. In, in this case, he says, moreover, it is required of this steward, this house manager, that one be found trustworthy. And that word trustworthy just means to continue in faith and to continue on, um, this faithfully serving the Lord through hard times, through good times, faithfully serving the Lord, trustworthy in all things. I hope that you and I are trustworthy, not only in our public life, but in our private lives, as we serve the Lord, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in Bible study, as we faithfully follow Jesus, as we faithfully want to learn more. He says, I want to be found, I want to be found trustworthy. A good steward should be found trustworthy. I think it says in um, Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 and 46, he talks about that. Jesus is talking about that, that faithful one, that when Jesus comes back, he'll find him doing what? Being faithful, being faithful to the gospel, following closely, being faithful at the time he comes. I want to be found faithful when Jesus returns. And so he says, in this case, your activity, your practice, are you accountable to God? Stewards or household managers, uh, God supplies the word, God supplies his spirit, God supplies the power, God supplies the gifts, but we need to be faithful in all of those things to use those tools that God has given to us. And faithfully dependent upon him in prayer and in Bible study as we practice what we have been given as servants and stewards to be found trustworthy to be found trustworthy. And then he says, also, pertaining to, to God's word, um, pertaining to what he is trustworthy, been, been given this trustworthy treasure, being a good steward of that, he says, but to me, it is a very small thing. And here's where some commentators think that probably there was some maligning of Paul or some talking about him and we don't really want to listen to him anymore. But to me, is it a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court, in fact, I do not even examine myself. What Paul's saying is here, he says, you aren't the judge. God is the judge, and God knows all things. God sees more than we see. And I wanted to, let's, let's just turn back quickly uh, to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Jesus had been preaching, um, talking to the Pharisees, pronouncing some woes on them, and he had uh, left there. They were plotting uh, against him to catch him in something that he might say and accuse him of something. And in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together, that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known accordingly, Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body or after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You know what he was saying here? He says that God sees and knows all. We think we hide and we think we cover up and we think no one knows, but God knows all. And here Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians, he says, It's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. I think I'm pretty good sometimes. If my conscience is my guide on everything, sometimes that can lead you astray. Because he says, in "My conscience, I'm I'm guilty of nothing, nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted." And he's not talking about justification, final justification. But he's not acquitted or not found not he's not found right with God by these things of his own conscience or by whatever he might examine himself. But the one who examines me is the Lord, and so he knows and he understands that God sees the motives of my heart and your heart. Guard those. Check those. Watch your thoughts. Because the Lord knows them all and he records them all. The Lord doesn't forget. The Lord sees all. He sees the inner recesses of what we think. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? That we think we've covered it up. We think no one knows. But God knows all and he knows the motives of our hearts. Paul says, Paul says, well, let's just look at, let's look at, um, Philippians one. I think it's one eight. I'll get there in a second. Philippians one eight. Paul says, for God is my witness. How I long for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying there? I understand that God sees and knows all. And I call him as a witness. If he were standing right here beside me today, he could say, here's what's in Paul's heart. He says, I call God as my witness. My motive is pure. I, I have a great desire and a love for you folks. He said, I, I call Christ as my witness. I hope that we all understand. And I, this is, this is more and more of a motivation for me that the Holy Spirit lives within me. And I can try to think this way or that way, but it doesn't fool God. Just live in open acknowledgement that God is your witness. And he sees, and he knows the motives of our hearts. Paul said, God is my witness. I call him because he sees in here. And Paul didn't trust his conscience. It didn't matter to him what people spoke about him or said about him. He knew that God was the final judge, and God knew his heart. And God knows your and my heart. You know, we sing it in a little song. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Oh, be careful little hands what you do. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. You know why? Because if you trusted Jesus, he's right there to witness. To what you're looking at and what you're thinking about. It's a staggering thought, but it's also a thought that can encourage us that God knows. And also that God forgives. If we come and confess these things, God knows that true confession. And it says that he will forgive us and cleanse us from those things. So I don't want to put a fearful mode on this because God loves you. And he wants to be close and he wants you to stay close. And he wants you to what? Follow him. Follow him. In In your position, whatever that might be. And in your practice, because you're accountable to him. Um, above reproach, uh, unaccusable by the world, because he says, I, I'm right before God. I my, my walk and my motives, I check my own heart. He says, I can be examined by somebody else, but it doesn't really matter. I don't really worry about that because the Lord is the one who examines me. And he's the one I'm accountable to. And he's the one that I ultimately will answer to. And so I want to be right before him. I hope that we all want to be right in our thoughts and... And our motives. And I, I've thought about that so many times this week. That a thought has come to my mind or my heart. You know where I struggle with that? And I, you know where it is. Right, right where I am right now. Patience. I want this knee better now. But there's a process. And there's a, there's a learning curve that we all go through the Lord says, what's the motive of your heart? Where's that coming from? It isn't coming from me, Boyle. So we ask for forgiveness. And then we get impatient again. It's easy to do, isn't it? I'll admit it. But it's reminded me this week that, you know, that thought that no one knows that thought in my heart. But God knows that thought. And I care what God knows. And, it, and we're accountable to Him. Paul says, It doesn't matter to me that I'm judged by you or any human court. They don't have the final say. God does. God is the only judge that has the final say because God is the only judge that judges correctly because He knows it all. And there's nothing hidden from His sight. It can be a great motivator. Because God loves us anyway. While I was still a sinner, Christ saved me. And I want to live faithfully to him, be a good steward to him. And Paul said the same thing. I want to be be an under rower. I want to to be a good steward, a good house manager of this this great mystery of the gospel that God has implanted in me. And that I carry in this vessel, this great treasure of the gospel, of the mysteries of God. And I want to share those things. And I want to be found trustworthy in those things in my practice, faithful to him because he knows my motives. Those things that God has given to me, I didn't deserve, but God has given them to me and I want to be found trustworthy in him. And then as we finish this praise, this praise, therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. Don't go on passing judgment before the time. God has an appointed time when he'll judge all things. All motives, all intents, all words, everything hidden. We read it in, in uh, Luke chapter 12. Nothing that's in the dark will stay in the dark. It'll be brought out into the light. You know, we'll never, we'll never be able to say in heaven at the judgment seat, but what I really meant was, no, God knows what we really meant. And it'll be brought into the light, and there it'll be. It won't be hidden anymore. God knows our hearts. And he says, therefore, don't go on passing judgment before the time, but wait. Wait patiently until the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. He'll bring all those things to light. God, folks, we were talking about in our board meeting tonight, you know, there's a there's a lot of things in this world that just aren't right right now and in our country especially. But I want you to know this. According to this verse, there's a, there's a day appointed. There's the, Wait for that time when God will make all things right. Nothing's going to be hidden that's in Washington or that's in China or that's in Russia or the Ukraine or my back porch. It'll all be brought to light and it'll all be made right. Don't go on passing judgment before the time. Wait for the Lord and wait for him to come who will bring both to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's heart. Then each man's praise will come to him from God. Each man's praise will come to him from God. Praise from God who alone judges correctly. Not praise from myself and my conscience, which can end up being pride. Not praise from men or the world, which is false hope. Not, not praise from being motivated by, by my emotions or by what's going on in the world or what's popular. But praise that is motivi- motivated by the Lord's return and waiting on that one true sovereign God that I've trusted my soul with for eternity. He will make those things right. And then that day, that praise is also motivated by that constant knowing that God knows and sees. And here's, you know, we talked a little bit about rewards. I want to tell you a great reward that those that serve the Lord and follow him faithfully will receive on that day. You know what that reward will be? It'll be a word of praise from God. You know what it'll be? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. Thou good and faithful underdog. Well done. It may have seemed small to you. You may have thought you were last in line. But come up here to the front. For the first will be last and the last will be first. There may be that little old man that nobody knows. But he's faithful in all things and his motives are correct. And God knows that. And God will say to him on that day and each of us that day as we serve him faithfully, our praise will come from him. And that's the most important praise we can receive from the Lord God Almighty who knows all things and sees our hearts and sees our motive. Paul says, wait for that day. And in the meantime, he's going to say later, uh, he's going to say later in this book in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, let this be your motive. I do all things to please the Lord so that I will receive on that day the praise from him and from him alone, the only praise that matters. Paul says, it's a little little account to me that you judge me. For I know the one who has the final say. And my praise will come from the Lord. I want want each of us to receive that praise when we watch our motives daily, when we we serve the Lord in whatever position he's called us to. Two, when we follow him in our practice and we know that we are accountable to him and we live that life of piety and and seek to be holy and seek to, to be sanctified more and more each day and to grow more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, our practice is important because God sees why we do things. And then that praise one day that will come from the Lord, each man's praise doesn't say that Certain apostles will receive praise. It said, each man's praise will come to him from God. That's the praise I want to hear. Our ever-present help, our ever-present hope, our ever-present motive is to be pleasing and faithful stewards of all that God has given to us. Paul says, live this way. Live according to your position. Practice. According to your accountability to God, and look for that praise one day to come from God, and don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Continue on. Uh, we were talking this morning in our Sunday school class, and you know about some of these things. And I have these three points, and I'm going to give them to you tonight. You know, each of us have choices to make. Choose to follow the Lord, and then that second choice is we act or we live for him. We follow him. Follow his word. And we we do his word. We we act upon that. And then number three, we repeat. We repeat. We choose. We act. We repeat. And then number four, we just continue one through three. One through three. Follow him faithfully. Be a trustworthy under over for God and his praise will come. One day we'll look for that. Even so, even so our prayer today is come quickly. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together tonight. And thank you for your word and uh, for the reminders of, of who you are and your greatness and your power and your knowledge and your sovereignty. And Lord, we thank you for your love. For who are we that you should care? Fail, frail creatures of dust. Sinful men. And women. But in your loving kindness. You made known to us. The mystery of salvation through Jesus. And Lord help us each. Each of us. To follow you. And to look to you in all things. Knowing who you are. And that day will come. When you will not only bring to light all things. But we will hear that praise. From you. For the life that we've lived. Being trustworthy. Being stewards of the mysteries of the gospel of god thank you for these things tonight lord we pray in christ's name amen